Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and move the entire site from Dodge head. I'm Catherine, and today I'm joined by BBFC Head of Education, Lucy Brett, to discuss something that some people love and some people hate, which are jump moments in films and how we classify jump moments. Welcome back to the podcast, Lucy. Thank you for having me. Now, tone and threat are key issues in our classification guidelines, and the education team I know are often asked, what are the scariest moments when watching films or um, something you've seen at the cinema has been recently? Now, this episode is dedicated to those jump moments. Is there a film you saw recently that really made you jump? Well, what's amazing when you first asked me this question and invited me to do this is that, I mean, uh, probably a better question is, is there a film that hasn't? Um, Because when it comes to horror films and even things like action movies, as we'll get into, I am a prime jumper. Um, So I once screamed when classifying work here and spilled a cup of coffee all over um, who the then director of the BBFC, uh, Robin Duval. And um, that was in a shark film because I'm scared of sharks. And which brings me to probably the loudest jump I've done in a cinema recently, which was actually during the trailer for the new Pirates of the Caribbean film, when there's a shark uh, literally jumping up. And I was surprised and I was at least heartened that lots of other children had jumped as well. Yeah, I think jump moments are really interesting because there is something amazing and visceral about jumping in the cinema or at home when you're watching something online or something on your TV and everybody jumps. There's something really brilliant about that. And I think it's sort of reminds us why we are enjoying ourselves, even if we are not enjoying ourselves in the screaming moment, if that makes sense. When we're talking about films that have made us really jump, though, quite often we're talking about horror films, I think. That would be typical, the typical sort of thing. So we've watched a few horror films for the podcast. And the first one we're going to talk about is The Babadook, which came out a couple of years ago. And I know it's on some of the A-level syllabuses to talk about. So what did you think? Did you jump? I definitely jumped. There's so much tension in that film and there's so many loud bangs and things jumping out. And I think because a lot of it is about things you can't see, but you know they're there. So for anyone that hasn't seen the film, there are moments where you know there's supposedly the Babadook monster in the room, but you can't see it. And I think that heightens the sense of tension. And then when there is a jump moment, it's even more of a release, almost. Absolutely. I mean, the conceit of the film, uh, the sort of overarching idea is is about a sort of children's book that has got a sort of possessed spirit in it, but it's also connected to real-world things like sort of grief and upset and paranoia. But when we're talking about what's sinister, that can really feed into a jump, because sometimes the film is just a sinister or tricky film to watch, but if it's got a proper set of jumps in, they often come at moments where you've been building for a so you're almost sort of waiting for it. I mean, I don't know, we wouldn't want to, we won't give away any sort of big plot spoilers, but certainly for me in The Babadook, it was whenever things were appearing where they shouldn't, like when the book reappears after it's been destroyed. Did you do any actual screaming when you watched it? No comment. <laughs> I think there was definitely some jump moments and there was definitely a bit where I actually covered my eyes and was watching it through my fingers because I could just sense that something was going to happen and it got to a point in the film that there'd been quite a few jumps already so I was almost primed for it and you could feel it like right we're going to get another one now this is building up this is just yeah there's stuff happening here that's going to result in 
some kind of climax really soon. What's great about um, thinking about this because uh, is because obviously Catherine and I have watched this research for the podcast. We weren't watching it to give it an age rating, um, but of course our compliance officers who watch things they can't cover their eyes. They have to make sure that they've seen what's happened. Um, and I think I think that that's a huge skill they have that they they manage to do that with such professionalism. But it is quite funny because I have seen them come out a little shaken or stirred by what they've seen from theatre. And of course, it's exactly because of that heightened sense of threat, the dark, threatening tone that's persistent throughout the entire film. That that is one of the re- reasons that we classify the film fifteen rather than lower at twelve A. So. That, that's right. I mean, there, there's of course some bloody aftermath and sort of quite sort of vicious crimes, if you like, but the key driving force was that sort of sinister scariness around that film and it would be quite hard to see how how to bring it down to 12a but we will talk about how at 12a you can have that sort of scariness later and of course like you said earlier it's not only horror films that contain some really well-known jump moments you talked about action films as well is there a specific example of an action film that's really made you jump yeah um, well i I think i'm not i hope i'm not alone Um, well i know i'm not alone because i saw this on gogglebox a a year or two ago but in taken there's a scene where somebody is on the telephone to somebody else and something bad happens and you are kind of pulled in two directions as you're watching it and so when the jump comes it's a proper jump for everybody or at least I hope it is. It'd be really funny if it isn't. And of course, that's a that's a fifteen film as well, isn't it? Taken. Oh, absolutely. And it's got. I mean, again, like like the jump moment isn't always the main classification issue yeah. in the film. Often it's feeding in, but it shows that with te- with Taken in particular, the jump moment is adding to a real visceral experience for the audience that you you're supposed to have. Another film that's not a horror film but has become quite famous and has been talked a lot about again recently is Alien and of course that chest buster <laughs> jump moment in that film and of course with Alien Covenant coming out that's kind of been a lot of people have been referring back to that and how much that scared them at the time. What did the BBFC think of that scene when Alien first came in for classification? It's, it's a really interesting one, Alien, isn't it? Cause it's also got that sort of famous tagline, in space no one can hear you scream. So I have heard people sort of describe it in some ways as almost like a haunted house horror, and we'll yeah. come to haunted house yeah. stuff again in a few minutes. But when Alien first came here in the late 1970s, the then BBFC examiners found themselves weighing up whether to pass it AA, which would have made the film available to those aged 14 and over, or X, which was 18 and over. And so that's quite interesting. That sort of discussion will happen today as well, where compliance officers are thinking, is this a 15 or an 18? And it's not unusual for horror films or for uh, sci-fi films or, or action films that are sort of scary and robust and have stronger scenes in to sit somewhere between those. You know it's mm. going to have appeal to older teens, but is it going to be something that should be just for grown-ups? In the end, with Alien, they passed it at X in line with sort of some of the stronger horror and sort of stronger special effects things that were coming out in the late 70s. However, they did make comparisons between it and an interesting title, which is probably the scariest film I have ever seen, which is Jaws. They talked about whether younger viewers would be able to handle Alien and sort of enjoy it in the way that everybody else has enjoyed it. But there was there was a worry that it wasn't just the jumps and screams in it, but also that there was a dark tone and would that be too much? And of course, that is very reminiscent of discussions we've had much later, many decades later, about films like The Woman in Black that we're going to talk about. But actually, the jumps come thick and fast, although we all remember that one moment. It's a bit like that with Jaws as well. You know, yeah. of course, some of the scariest scenes of Jaws are the ones where the iconic music kicks in and you know what's going to happen. And that can be just as scary as the jump, which is kind of a release in a way. 
And another film we want to talk about as part of this podcast, which again isn't a traditional horror, but did kind of confound people's expectations in its kind of horror thriller elements, is Black Swan, isn't oh, yes. it? Yes, absolutely. Um, and Black Swan's quite a good example. We we did show that for education screenings with um, much older teenagers. Black Swan is a 15. And when we were showing that to students, like 17 and 18 year olds, it was a very jumpy crowd and you could see whole moments where everybody jumped, which gave it quite an interesting atmosphere because it was the film where we got quite a lot of complaints and, and letters and emails from the public about it. Many of them because they were confounded by the jump moments and the screams and the shocks because they were expecting something maybe gentler that was more connected to, for example, the ballet Swan Lake. And they, they were perhaps slightly wrong-footed by suddenly watching a film that had quite a lot of sophisticated jump moments. But Black Swan is a great example, again, of like lots and lots of great jumps. And although that film you know, did generate quite a lot of emails and letters from the public... Quite a lot of people went to see it as well, and it was, you know, it was a really successful films. So like two point seven million people saw it at the box office. And we we did uh, when we did our public consultation for our last set of guidelines, we did talk about Black Swan because we were always keen to make sure that if quite a few people have written in, are they representative, or how can we drill down what they were thinking, and will it help us make the best sort of decisions for everybody? Um, so we did talk about that, and we found that there was actually quite a lot of sympathy for the 15 actually but if we look further down the categories now sort of below 15 to the 12a level jump moments were also obviously an issue in the woman in black <gasps> yes which was seen for advice and reductions were made in order to achieve a 12a certificate um and we have got case studies on that film on our website and i think we have spoken about it before in yes. the podcast but if we are just going to talk about the jump moments in that film, what were the big jump moments for you? Well, for me, I think I am still slightly haunted by a scene which, again, as we were talking earlier, starts with a very long, spooky preamble where poor, poor little Harry Potter is walking down the long corridor in this sort of incredibly spooky and up upsetting house. And a lot of terrible things have already happened. And he starts to look out of a window and then he puts his hand up to the glass. And if you've seen the trailers, you expect a hand to come, but it's not a hand. Hand. It's a screaming face which jumps in front of him. And I have honestly, I mean, properly scared, and I think most people are, by what is in some senses a little exquisite theatrical moment. And I think that's what's so interesting about The Woman in Black. The jumps in it, I mean, for those who don't know the cultural background of The Woman in Black, it's a best-selling book, but also an extraordinarily successful stage play. And so it's, it's not cliche, but it's got a lot of familiar elements which are twisted in a really nice way. That's why it's such a satisfying uh, film to watch and book to read and play. And they all have different twists and different jumps. But it was the theatricality of it that perhaps fed into the 12A decision because we felt that there was a known aspect. People would have an idea what they were going to get. However, it was very effective. So the film was um, what we would say is c cut for category. Or after advice, the company removed some of the stronger moments and toned them down, um, obscured some images and reduced uh, the sort of strongest sort of jumpy, shocky moments. But a lot of the jumps were still there. But what's also interesting is that as a result of discussing films like Black Swan and The Woman in Black with the public, the new guidelines that were published in 2014 did note that we would pay particular attention to the psychological dimension of horror, but also how people respond. And interestingly, with The Woman in Black, again, we showed it to lots of people during our guidelines research and they talked about it and they actually mentioned the jumps in it too was sort of significant, but as a concern for much, much younger viewers than perhaps the sort of 12, 13, 14 year olds who could go and see The Woman in Black 
themselves. What's also interesting about that film is that when we showed it to a broader audience, it was almost 90%, about 89% of people agreed with the 12A for it. So there is an acceptance that for a lot of people that that sort of jump moment, that sort of scary horror, but in a kind of well-known context like a ghost story, might be all right, actually, for the sort of 12, 13, 14-year-old audience. Yeah, I was about to say, a lot of people, maybe if they went to see it with a younger child, probably weren't thinking that actually, what would it be like if if 14-year-olds couldn't see this? Yeah. Because it's exactly that kind of up their street, that kind of age group. So then if we do look further down the categories again, um, I remember PG films like Jumanji having um, quite a few <laughs> jump moments in it and also um, a more recent one, Goosebumps, oh, yes. which is PG as well. That really made me jump in a couple of parts. Goosebumps is another film where the company looked for advice before it was classified in its final form and there was discussion of some reductions to scenes that were particularly sinister and, and have these sort of jumpy moments and one of them is um, a moment with a levitating poodle that turns a bit nasty and um, we've talked about this before actually in children's films on the podcast because quite a lot of children's films will hinge on moments where something you expect to be nice turns out to be not quite so nice or as safe and friendly as you thought. So we talked about that with The Jungle Book last year and with Zootropolis, a moment where a nice character turns nasty and everybody jumps. But Goosebumps I think got away with some real jumps because, as you said right at the beginning, it had a total sense of being on a ghost train or being on a roller coaster in that you are supposed to get goosebumps and to be scared. But there's a lot of factors that are keeping it within that PG, PG feeling. Uh, the star, who's very familiar to children, but also things like the humour and a sort of overarching safety. Like we know, however grumpy and curmudgeonly Stein is, he's going to probably sort it out there's also a combination of scary things so we all sort of giggled when we were planning this talking about a levitating poodle but that's the point isn't it the sort of scariest things the gnomes the poodles are either sort of extreme and strange exaggerations like the sort of enormous insects or or they're sort of old-fashioned in the best possible way sort of horror and jump tropes so the most lovely thing about goosebumps for me was it was following in a very very long tradition of horror films that end with a jump and the final jump in Goosebumps is really delicious and um, really plays on, on all the things that you have thought you were so clever with spotting through the films. It's really nice. And I think that sometimes that's what's great about a film. You know, you watch it and it just gives you the sucker punch at the end. And that's, you know, Friday the 13th all over again, but, but in a manner that's, that's acceptable for much younger children. And I think that that was why it was such a delightful experience for a lot of children to watch it. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, I hope people have also felt like this podcast was a bit of a roller coaster of jump moments <laughs> as well, and it will encourage some people to go and seek some of them out. Now, don't forget, you can tell us what you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast using the feedback form on the podcast page. You can also email us on podcast at bbfc.co.uk or you can tweet us at bbfc. Yeah, tell us some of your favourite jump moments. I'd love to hear them. I would too.